Angry Chicagoans tell Bally's and city officials at a town hall a casino doesn't belong in River West. Chicagoans who live near the proposed casino site overwhelmingly oppose the plan, even as the city and casino developers line up support. And I'll talk with Crane's John Pletz about airports and travel, specifically how the CEOs of Hyatt Hotels and American Airlines said Chicago is lagging behind other cities in terms of travel recovery, and about how carriers and airports are addressing a shortage of airplane mechanics. Just like you have to meet qualifications to become a pilot, you can't just hire people off the street. And so that's what makes it a challenge. You know, a good bit of the workforce uh, when it comes to mechanics don't have to be certified, the entry-level portion. And they're competing against everybody else for talent. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Monday, May 16th. In these uncertain times, it's important to have people you trust by your side. When 11,000 local business owners needed a Paycheck Protection Program loan, they turned to their Wintrust banker to secure funding because that's a relationship they can count on. Businesses are navigating some of the biggest challenges they will ever face. Wintrust is here to answer their calls. They'll answer yours, too. Start the conversation at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. I'm joined by Cranes reporter John Pletz, and we have often talked about airports and airlines and travel, but specifically you recently reported on how the CEOs of Hyatt and American Airlines said they thought that Chicago was lagging behind other cities in terms of recovery. What's going on there? Yeah, uh, Mark Hoplamazian from Hyatt here in Chicago and Robert Issam from American Airlines were in town for an executive club luncheon, and they were talking about Chicago and sort of how things were coming back or not coming back, both with travel and in general. And they said that it feels like Chicago is coming back from COVID more slowly than some other cities. The number of people coming back to the office is probably a little behind some other areas. Hopamazian thought that that was in part due to we had a mask mandate here for a long time. And that, you know, that applied to uh, downtown offices. And he said with Hyatt, they saw a pretty big increase in people coming back to the office once that was dropped. And then, you know, on the travel side, you know, so much of travel in Chicago is dependent on corporate travel, you know, business travel, and especially conventions. And those are just not back yet. The other really big factor for both of those pieces is international travel. That's not back. Chicago isn't as much an international travel hub as you know, JFK or LAX, which, by the way, have also really struggled. They were even further behind than O'Hare in terms of coming back from COVID. So, yeah, we're we're a little behind, um, not necessarily so much of anything we've done, but because of, you know, the industries that sort of make things go here, whether that's, you know, downtown offices, when you have a large professional services workforce, those jobs were really well suited to remote work. And also, you know, we had a mask mandate and some other things that just have slowed the back, you know, back to the office. You already spoke to my next question, and that was, I was going to say, well, what are we doing, not necessarily wrong, but what are we doing differently than other cities? But it really just sounds like it's kind of what happens to be here and what happens to power the economic engine here. They had also mentioned that some places that were even more slow to come back than Chicago, you know, were the tech hubs, San Francisco and Seattle, you know, whether that was travel you know, or, or by other factors. 
those jobs can be done remote. There, there will be travel. Uh, they were both pretty confident of that. But yeah, remote work, you know, um, those, those two places. And those were, you know, really strong, thriving, you know, travel hubs. You had mentioned international travel. I mean, we're at that summer season where that's going to be such a critical part of that. How much weight does this summer carry? It seems like a lot of pressure would be on to, to kind of not necessarily make or break it this summer, but it seems like there's a lot of questions around what people are going to do this summer. Well, it's definitely big for uh, people in the uh, airline and hotel industry, for sure. United and American and others uh, have all said they're counting on one of the busiest summers ever for travel between here and Europe. Asia is, is not anywhere close to coming back. But uh, one of the issues is the requirement for testing for people returning to the U.S. from overseas. And that's why the airlines are so eager, as well as people in the hotel business, to see that relaxed and to see that go away. Uh, they think that business travelers don't want the unpredictability of getting stuck and not being able to get home or get home when you need to. And that's that's still an issue, and that and that plays through to Chicago as well. That's kind of going to have to be a wait and see thing for the summer. Uh, so, something else that you've been reporting on, we, we've talked before about kind of the uh, the airline pilot talent pool, but you've also been taking a look at airline mechanics. Tell me what's going on there. Well, they're having very much the the same shortage that uh, you're seeing with airline pilots. Americans said they've got 150 planes right now parked because they don't have enough pilots that have been trained. They have a lot of pilot retirements, got new pilots coming on board. So it's not that they don't have pilots, but it takes a while to get those people trained and assigned. And so, yeah, they've got some aircraft sitting because of that. And they're having just as much difficulty uh, as an industry in finding people to work on aircraft as to fly them. It's a function of of some very similar things, uh, demographics that, you know, uh, the boomer retirement of pilots is what's causing, you know, this shortfall in, in the number of pilots. That's been going on for a while. That predated uh, COVID. That's also true for mechanics. So they're kind of scrambling. AAR, one of the larger uh, aircraft maintenance companies, you know, more than half the maintenance on, on airplanes gets done by, uh, by outside companies. They're a big provider of that. They have an operation in Rockford uh, where they do work on uh, aircraft for United and They've been ramping up uh, aggressively because they want some new business with United. And you know, their biggest challenge, um, as it is for the rest of the industry, is finding talent. And when we talk about a, a deficit, when we talk about a lack of, of lack of talent in that pool, how many people are we talking about? Is it going to take a while to catch up or is it something that could be maybe fixed in a year cycle or something or even smaller? It's the same kind of thing as pilots. You know, you're looking at sort of a decade long uh, issue, at, at least, because you, you can't fix it overnight. You can't change the supply of people. In both cases, what makes things different is the mechanics who do a lot of the work. You know, it's federally regulated. They're FAA certified. That's where that license, they're licensed. You know, they get a certificate from the FAA, just like you have to meet qualifications to become a pilot. You can't just hire people off the street. And so that's what makes it a challenge. You know, a good bit of the workforce uh, when it comes to mechanics, don't have to be certified, the entry-level portion. And they're competing against everybody else for talent, whether it's auto manufacturers or Amazon or retailers or rest, you know, whomever. I mean, it, it just, there's 
everybody is hiring right now. So you're all competing for the same talent. And if you've got a particular shortfall that they've got, it just makes it that much harder. So what moves are you seeing from, from carriers to try to shore that up? Well, the, I mean, people like AAR, I mean, it's everything from offering um, hiring bonuses, which, you know, for mechanics, you never saw, you know, so they're doing that. They're across the street, oddly enough, from a community college that has an aviation maintenance program uh, in Rockford, and they've started offering scholarships to, you know, I think it's, you know, five students a year or whatever that will pay their full tuition in exchange for them coming to work, you know, at AAR. So, yeah, it's, it's all the things you see when you get a really tight labor market is you've got to start offering, you know, better perks, better benefits to get that talent. So what will you be watching most closely just in the next couple of weeks in the aviation and travel sectors? The peak summer travel season is going to get underway here. I'm going to be watching a couple of things. I'm going to watch to see how long, you know, demand holds up. I think most of those tickets have been bought already. I'm also going to be watching very closely to see how an industry that's, you know, spooling back up deals with incredibly full flights and all the stresses that that places on the system. You know, the summer travel season is the most challenging for airlines. Flights are busiest. You've got uh, weather always is a challenge. And it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, the first normal or close to normal travel season we've had in two years what that looks like. Do we end up with a ton of delays? We've had bouts of that over the last couple of years where various carriers have had, you know, major disruptions and people sort of stranded all over the place. So I'm going to be watching that closely. You know, the thing that everyone has been asking the airline CEOs is they're like, hey, you know, we've we've had, you know, fuel prices essentially double and we've been able to charge higher ticket prices and it's been just fine for us. There's huge demand. And everybody wonders, you know, how long that pent up demand lasts in an environment where we're starting to see some real strain in the consumer economy. You know, how long are people going to be willing to pay higher prices? You know, at what point do you get beyond, I haven't traveled in two years, I've been saving money, I'm going to travel. When does that wear off? Does it wear off? You know, the, the airline CEOs are pretty bullish. Everybody else is waiting to see does that start to drop off after Labor Day? And that's what I'm going to be watching. Lots of lots of questions swirling. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk it through. Thanks so much. Glad to do it. Thanks, Amy. Coming up, Governor Pritzker signs an organized retail theft crime bill into law. And the bill creates a new criminal offense, organized retail theft, and gives the state greater tools to pursue so-called flash mob theft. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Crane's Chicago business is pleased to announce its all-new Power Breakfast event series, featuring conversations with Chicago's power players, influencers, and policymakers. Join us on Tuesday, May 24th, for this year's first installment, featuring Samir Mayakar, Deputy Mayor of Economic and Neighborhood Development. Political columnist Greg Hines will talk to Chicago's chief business liaison about downtown recovery, attracting more business to the city, future opportunities, and more. To secure your seat, visit chicagobusiness.com slash events. You're listening to Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Guth. 
Chicagoans who live near the proposed Bally's Casino in River West continue to overwhelmingly oppose the plan, even as the city and casino developers have lined up support from the local aldermen, unions, contractors, and investors involved in the plan. Bally's bid, picked earlier this month by Mayor Lori Lightfoot, followed through on the demand that any Chicago casino must be a transformational entertainment venue while bringing in hefty annual revenues to prop up the city's police and fire pension funds. The $1.74 billion casino and hotel on the current Chicago Tribune printing plant site along the north branch of the river between Chicago and Grand would include a 3,000-seat theater, a Chicago Sports Hall of Fame, an outdoor park, outdoor music venue, and restaurants, in addition to the casino with 3,400 slot machines and 173 table games. But Cranes contributor Justin Lawrence reported that on Thursday at a town hall event, residents of River West and River North continued to argue that a gambling and entertainment complex would severely disrupt their daily lives. Also reporting that around 80 people lined up on either side of the room to question city officials and Bally's executives on why the site was selected, public safety, and the perceived lack of transparency in the selection process. Responding to immediate neighborhood concerns, Deputy Mayor Samir Mayakar argued the area is a transitional neighborhood, saying all of the zoning uses in the area can live together harmoniously. Bally's chairman, Sue Kim, offered that Bally's was there to listen to neighborhood concerns and as a sign of good faith had already changed course on a previously planned pedestrian bridge connecting River North after negative feedback at an earlier meeting. Others in attendance reportedly sought to force Bally's to go beyond required commitments on ownership and participation from communities of color in the construction project, saying black and brown Chicagoans have repeatedly been promised jobs only to be left out. Lawrence noted that community organizer Willie J.R. Fleming said at the meeting that labor unions have discriminated against black people and those recently leaving incarceration and asked the community to make a commitment to hire current and former residents from the nearby Cabrini-Green low-income housing developments. Lawrence reported that in response, the Bally's chairman said, quote, we're going to be good to labor and we're going to be good to minority underrepresented groups. Also saying that he had learned at the last meeting that the history between those two groups, quote, wasn't that good. The community meeting was the first since Mayor Lightfoot made the announcement that Bally's had won her endorsement to land Chicago's sole casino license. Aldermen opposed to the plan, led by Alderman Brendan Riley of the 42nd Ward and Alderman Brian Hopkins of the 2nd Ward, have criticized Mayor Lightfoot for trying to fast-track the deal before the city council could thoroughly vet the proposal, likening the process to the infamous deal under former Mayor Richard M. Daley to lease the city's parking meters to a private company. The Chicago developer that is revamping the Thompson Center in the Loop is reportedly also closing in on a deal to pick up a distressed property a few blocks away. Citing sources familiar with the discussions, Crane's Danny Ecker reported that Prime Group is in negotiations to buy a $191 million loan tied to the office buildings at 115 South LaSalle and 111 West Monroe. The buildings have long been home to the Chicago office of the BMO Harris Bank and law firm Chapman & Cutler, which occupy around 900,000 square feet combined in the properties, but are relocating to the recently completed BMO Tower next to Union Station. Sources told Cranes that talks are ongoing about the price that Prime Group would pay for the debt, which has been marketed for sale in recent months as an opportunity to assume control of the connected towers along Monroe between LaSalle and Clark. But the sale price is expected to be a fraction of the balance of the loan from New York-based Union Bank. 
United Airlines pilots say they've reached a new contract with the carrier, just as the carrier, along with the whole travel industry, is hopeful about seeing the busiest period of air travel since the onset of the pandemic. John Pletz reported that pilots represented by the Airline Pilots Association reached a deal with CEO Scott Kirby during the depths of the COVID crisis that resulted in keeping pilots on the payroll rather than furloughing them. And that gave United Airlines an advantage over other carriers that encountered delays while retraining pilots. Although the terms weren't disclosed, the union said terms of the deal will be finalized and presented to members in the coming weeks. One key issue at United and other airlines has been the size of aircraft that must be flown by mainline pilots versus regional carriers. Pletz noted that the conversation likely got easier because Kirby's plan for United depends on doing more flying, which requires more pilots, and replacing regional jets with larger planes in order to be more efficient. Pletz also reported that the deal at United comes as relationships with pilot unions at other carriers, such as Alaska Airlines, have become more contentious. The Airline Pilots Association's pilots voted to authorize a strike against Alaska Airlines if necessary. Most contract negotiations were put on hold over the last couple of years as the pandemic deeply impacted the travel industry. But as Pletz pointed out in his reporting, pilots now have the upper hand as airlines are revving up operations in hopes of cashing in on pent-up demand just as they face a shortage of pilots caused by a wave of baby boomer retirements that are expected to continue for a decade. State and local officials gathered at Water Tower Place on Friday for the signing of a bill aiming to curb organized theft. Governor J.B. Pritzker said the legislation is not, quote, aimed at a low-income parent desperate to feed their child or a kid making a short-sighted mistake, but said, quote, this is about a multi-billion dollar industry of organized criminals carrying out sophisticated theft operations to turn a profit on the resale market. In December, Attorney General Kwame Raoul announced a newly created task force focused on the crime that had recovered $1 million in stolen goods, some from Michigan Avenue. According to a report from the National Retail Federation, more than $700,000 per billion dollars in sales were lost to organized retail crime in 2020, a 60 percent increase since 2015. The Illinois Retail Merchants Association said that Illinois stores lost $3.7 to $4 billion in merchandise to theft last year. The new bill creates a new criminal offense and gives the state greater tools to pursue so-called flash mob theft. The new offense, officially organized retail theft, would target organized groups that steal from a store, truck, or supplier for a profit and allow for a Class 3 felony. State's attorneys from across Illinois are permitted to prosecute the crime if any aspect of it occurs in their home county, including the sale or advertising of stolen goods. That's Crane's Daily just for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to today's guest, John Pletz. He'll have more reporting on the airline mechanic shortage at chicagobusiness.com starting May 18th. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review Crane's Daily Gist. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.